0: my physical home and my physical body, and which is a house for my mind, body, soul, right, um, are the same. And so, like, as I'm, you know, curating my home, perfecting, quote-unquote, perfecting my home and um, making it a space that is restorative, making it a space that is peaceful and what have you, I can't escape the thought, that God wants to do the same thing in this home of my body.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And, um, so, yeah, so I think that for me, that is, that's where, that's where it comes from.
1: Hi friends. It's been a while. We are done with the school year finally. And I thought that that would mean easier days, slower schedules, you know, more more generous time, and I feel like the opposite is happening. Uh, suddenly, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm, you know, scrolling months into the future going, okay, okay, we have a week off in August and there's just a lot going on. So I'm happy to get back at this with you. I have a lot of conversations I want to bring to you around this sort of de facto um, series that I'm doing on home and all things home and, there's so many good conversations ahead, but you're going to have to be patient with the timing because of course, this isn't my paid job. I'm fitting it in into the cracks. Um, so yeah, maybe someday I will figure out how to make money from podcasting. But right now it's just a passion project because I wa- I love having these conversations and I think they're really good things to talk about. And uh, today's conversation is no exception I am super excited to bring you this conversation with my friend, uh, Kanisha Bikes. Kanisha is the creative behind Restoration House, uh, a blog and a book in case you haven't seen it. It's gorgeous and it's full of wonderful ideas and, um, just she shares her story in it. It's, it's a beautiful story and gorgeous photographs and lots of really helpful practical tools as well for design and decorating and how to approach a space. And her newest endeavor is a gorgeous shop on restorationhouseshop.com where she curates really great vintage, one of a kind finds, um, highly recommend checking it out. Uh, Kanisha is a Southern girl originally from Guntersville, Alabama, and she realized at a very young age, she had a knack not only for the creative, but for connecting the hearts and minds of the communities in which she had the privilege of sharing life with through those very talents, whether it's the written word or a beautiful tablescape, home styling inspiration, or a one-on-one conversation, gathering others' collective stories to bring awareness, freedom, and voice to the unique purpose that each of us carry, she lives to bring inspiration, encouragement, and truth to each and every person she encounters. So I have no doubt that you are going to love this conversation and love Kenesha as much as I do. Um, And from that intro, you can tell that this is going to be a rich and meaty conversation about way more than just, you know pretty things so tune in and please don't forget to leave a rating in itunes um, or wherever you're listening to this podcast it would really really help other people find it and help grow this community thanks so much enjoy welcome to the finishing school podcast A discussion with and for women about identity, transitions through life stages, how to figure out who you want to be when you grow up, and all the things we didn't learn about in school. In short, it's a sometimes spiritual, sometimes silly look at how to be a grown woman. Whether you're becoming a mom for the first time, or about to be an empty nester, modern womanhood and motherhood is complex, and the questions and conflicts we face with shifting roles and desires are many don't have your midlife crisis alone. Join me. I'm your host, Jessica Euler, and I'm stewarding this conversation on the brink of asking many of these questions in my own life. As my kids get older, my role as a mother changes. And as I have more time to reflect on who I am in the world, I'm surrounded by friends in the same boat. And I know if we're talking about these issues, odds are you are too. Hi! Hi! <laughs> nice, to, <laughs> nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you.
1: Um, okay, so Kanisha, I want to talk with you about the idea of home, and in your book, you have uh, actually a, a ton of really practical, helpful ideas about just how to get started in a room, how to think about a space, how to yes. be really resourceful with decorating. Um, but I'm really interested in talking with you about how, uh, home is more than just the design, how it's about creating a place of peace and connection and a place to be. How do you, how do you believe that the desire to make our homes beautiful reflects a deeper desire?
0: How do I believe the desire to make our homes beautiful reflects a deeper
1: desire?
0: I, I think that I think that, and you'll probably relate to this in some regard, like as a creative and as an artist, um, there's that side of it for me where, you know, creating a space that feels good or create or creating in my space is fulfilling for me in the sense that it like taps into my desire for just creating and like making beautiful things. right? Um, I have this this moniker, if you will, that I kind of ran into a few months back in the fall that says creativity is communion. And so for me, um, tapping into the deeper desire to commune with my creator, to commune with God for me because of my faith, um, there's just like this this parallel always between again for me of um, home having this like multiplicity or like these just multiple these multiple layers of purpose and I can't it's like an, an inescapable thought for me that my physical home and my physical body and which is a house for my mind body soul right um are the same and so like as I'm you know, curating my home, perfecting, quote unquote, perfecting my home, and um, making it a space that is restorative, making it a space that is peaceful, and what have you, I can't escape the thought that God wants to do the same thing in this home of my body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so yeah, so I think that for me, that is, that's where that's where it comes from.
1: Yeah. And I I resonate with that, just that creativity being communion. I love that thought. Um, But I think a lot of people are really intimidated when it comes to, you know, just knowing, like even understanding what their style is, uh, figuring out how to express themselves in their home instead of just, you know, well, my home isn't going to look like this magazine. Therefore it's just not going to be done or it's just not going to be, you know, what it's quote unquote supposed to be. Um, right. But can you talk about, you know, creativity and how that you, you actually, there's a quote I wanted to mention. You'd say, when we can truly embrace who we are and express it freely, we will arrive at a place like no other. This is the sweet spot that a restored home represents. And so I'm just wondering how you feel like that ties in with the creativity and the individuality and, and even the idea of perfectionism.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think about, you know, when we can truly express ourselves, what did I say? What was it I said?
1: (laughs) Just really like embracing, embracing who we are and expressing it freely.
0: Yeah. I think that there's just freedom and, you know, we live in a a world of social media and and Pinterest and, you know, all the things, you know, magazines, we're bombarded with messages about who we're supposed to be and our identities and all those things. And um, that couldn't, that couldn't any less, like, keep us from actually being who we are when we're trying to be someone else, right? So... I think the way that that, that correlates to homemaking um, is it's it's no different when we're in our homes and constantly accepting messages that other people say we're supposed to follow or like believe about ourselves or our homes if we're you know looking at all the trends and and waiting for someone to tell us how I mean someone as in designers or um, bloggers or, you know, whomever to tell us how to live in our spaces, um, not saying that we shouldn't, you know, ask an expert, you know, for expert advice from time to time. Um, but when that becomes the lead, um, I think that that, that definitely is a space where we, we die and we don't thrive. Um, so the more we can delve into the, like The rejection of that you know um, pushing against this idea that we have to follow trends this idea that you know our houses our homes have to be perfect whatever that means um the more we reject that idea and begin to embrace what i call our home stories which are unique it's impossible to copy someone else's story Um, when we begin to embrace that then we become more free in our bodies, in our minds and in our homes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. I want you to talk a little bit more about home stories and what that, what that means, what your home story is a little bit. Um, because I think that it it's important to understand that in order to know how to even approach our home and figure out, you know, what's important to us, what our priorities are for our family, But I think it's really interesting the way you um, ask these provocative questions in your book about helping women discover what their story of home is, and not just what it has been, but what they want it to be, Um, but it's all connected. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, the easiest way, which is so simple, so forgive me. The easiest way to explain a home story, um, I'll give two ways. I'll tell my story, but then I'll just explain what it is. And it's essentially just the unique way that you tell the story of your life through decor, through furniture, through paint colors, through textures, through aesthetics, um, in your home. And, um, and, and when you're telling your home story in your space, you're thinking about the way you want to feel, the way you want other people to feel when they walk into your living room, when they walk into your kitchen, when they walk into your bedroom. I don't know, bedroom's kind of a private space for me. It's like my private sanctuary. Not many people walk into my bedroom, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. And so, so yeah, I. Th- that's a very simple way to explain home story for me. The way that that. Um, that what, what that looks like is, um, I, I think I, hopefully I don't overuse this, this example, but you know, as far as the core is concerned in, in our house, um, and it's not just my home story, right? Like if I'm, you're, you're a single person out there, obviously it will be your home story. If you have a family, it's a, it's, it's a way to collectively tell the story of not just your life, but your family's life, your family's life together. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me that looks like having uh, a picture of general motors the you know first general motors building on my gallery wall from detroit because my my um, husband's grandfather worked there for like 50 years and he has really great memories attached to him being just you know employee at general motors like super simple nothing you know fancy but um it still is folding in you know part of part of what makes his heartbeat right and for me that looks like kind of corny call it what you will I have antlers on my wall but they're not there because they're trendy they're there because they remind me of my grandfather and my grandfather hunted and I think about him leaving with my uncle tug was his name I'm from Alabama so we're gonna get real funny with the nicknames um (laughs) but but i I, like when i look at those like i remember him he was a father to me um i can smell him you know all these all these things happen in our lives or in our homes when we begin to actually embrace those parts of our stories and find ways to to pull those out and like make them tangible in our spaces um and then not only that they make me feel good but then i get to tell the story when other people come into the house and they ask about the antlers on the wall. Why do you have antlers on the wall? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my papa, you know. Um, and, you know, why do you have a random picture of the Detroit, like, GM, you know, headquarters or whatever? Yeah. Well, that's because my, you know, husband's grandfather, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, so, again, those are really, like, simple ways that you do that, but, but also extremely practical.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying is, when you decide what to put in your home and put on your walls, make it about, make it important to you, make it have some relevance to who you are and who your family is and not just. This is not um, cut
0: and paste or copy and paste. Yeah.
1: I think that kind of comes down to, for me, I like to make the distinction between taste and style. You know, taste is like, you know, whether you like modern farmhouse or bohemian or, you know, what your aesthetic is, and you can open a magazine or look at a blog or, you know, find something that has, you know, that perfect picture of like, here's all these pieces put together for this particular style. That's your taste, but your style, your personal style is how you put it together in your home and how you make it work you know? Yeah. And I think that's really intimidating for some people and it's hard to know where to start.
0: It is. I, I feel like that's the antidote though. Like, you know, when you can focus on your story, it takes all of the pressure out of performance. It takes all the, pre- or performing, it takes all the pressure out of, feeling like it's a competition or that you have to compare your life to someone else's because also I think it also you know something I've really not considered in in this idea is that it promotes gratitude because I think that as we um you know begin to reflect on our personal stories and um the good parts because lord knows there's not they're not always good um but when we reflect on them that we become grateful for our lives and we become grateful for our spaces. And, um, you know, I, this is not something that's maybe commonplace, but like, I think gratitude begets gratitude. Like totally. if we, we create spaces out of that space or out of that, or from that mentality or mindset, then we're also possibly encouraging other people to do the same thing. Um, and I do believe, I do believe, you know, our homes hold not to be all weird and like, you know, quirky, but, um, they hold energy and and we get to like, um, create spaces that promote positivity and that promote healing and again, peace and all these things. So I, you know, like you, you've been in those houses or those spaces where you walk and you're like, yeah, the vibe in here is like, I don't know what it is, but it's off, you know? And I, I don't ever want my space, my home, to be that for anybody. I want it to be the opposite of that. So I think that when we're creating those spaces and we're reflecting on our home stories, we have the opportunity not just to um, separate ourselves from other people as far as, you know, our unique way of curating our homes are concerned, but we also get to, again, um, kind of architect. A space that promotes more than just, oh my gosh, this looks good. You know, this also feels good.
1: Um, so you know, we just recently moved into yes, a great home a home that's just fabulous, amazing. And that gratitude, yeah. I can't even tell you. I mean, literally every day, it, our home has so many projects, right? The kitchen is <laughs> like it's like barely functional. You can't open the fridge and get out a fork at the same time. You know, there's all these things. It's like, there's some, there's some changes we want to make and there's a lot of cosmetic stuff. However, I'm finding that, that gratitude and just, and being overwhelmed and so thankful for the, the overarching story of the gift of it, even though it's not done, there's not a single room other than the apartment that's rented, you know, that looks how yeah. I want it to look or feels how I want it to look or has the right furniture or anything. But I'm still just so thankful and at peace in a, yeah. in a certain way. And I, I can relate a lot to you in the realm of perfectionism. And, you know, it's really easy for me to see all the things that aren't done or the yeah. things that, you know, I want to change. Um, But I'm trying to just settle into that place of gratitude and like, yep, there's bright red carpet in my son's room. Whatever, (laughs) it's the softest carpet ever, you know? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, And just being at peace with like the process of it.
0: And Mm -hmm, my husband mm -hmm. keeps
1: reminding me, pace yourself pace yourself. Yeah. You know? I, I have all these projects going. I'm working on the kitchen design. I'm trying to choose paint colors. I'm trying to yeah. you know, find finishes and doing all this sourcing. And, and it can be really overwhelming and it can kind yeah. of steal your joy if it becomes Easy. stressful. And um, for me, it always comes back to that gratitude really ties in with hospitality. You know, like yeah. we've always opened our home you know wh- whichever home it was in whatever season you know, with young kids, messy floors, toys all over, um incomplete projects that there's something so generative about sharing our homes and inviting other people in, no matter what state it's in, yeah, and I think I don't that, disagree that in itself begets gratitude for sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You become
0: thankful for not just a home to live in, but a home that provides space for other people to thrive as well.
1: Right. And I think it touches on that idea that you mentioned in the book about creating a home that's more, something more than just looking good, but something that like, it nourishes our souls in some way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to get to in the heart of this series is you know, there's, there's all the practical and aesthetic fun things, but there is something so much deeper. There is something energetic and spiritual and, and not just for our own families, but for the people that we invite in. And if we're concerned about, you know, the lint on the carpet, then we're not concerned about the people in the space.
0: Are we concerned about laying on a carpet? Because I think if we're concerned about laying on a carpet, maybe <laughs> we need a, a little help. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm
0: definitely a stickler. I mean, I, I can get a little, you know, ADD about things, but um, or antsy or anxious about things. But um, I think if we we're concerned about lint on a carpet,
1: well, fill in the blank. Fill there are the bigger blank. problems. You know, I know. like the, no, the I'm, old I'm couch. being a
0: little silly, but yeah. yeah.
1: But you For know, sure. we all have our things that we get stuck on, right? Yes, and we do. The wallpaper, the the linoleum. Oh, yeah. you the know. orange peel texture on the wall. Oh, yeah. Popcorn right? corn ceilings. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. Um, vinyl floors. Yes. I'm got, calling out all my stuff. I've got them all. Chief
0: cabinetry in the kitchen. Yes.
1: Same. Check. <laughs> check. Check. All check. of
0: that. Horrible trim work. No. Who
1: did this? Right. So who walks into your home and sees that? You know, they see no one. how you make them feel. Right. First um, for sure. Yeah. So how in your journey of understanding and creating a home, what has changed over the years? Like, how do you feel your thoughts or approach to home has evolved?
0: Oh, I think, I think more than anything, I just understand the purpose of home more
1: than
0: I ever have, you know, um, I do care about what my home looks like. Um, because it's, I think again, going back to being an artist, like I'm always, even when I'm not actively designing or styling, like I am always curating and editing in my head, and that is mm-hmm. both a strength and a weakness, so
1: totally. I can relate. Um,
0: <laughs> so there is that side, but then and I think I lived in that that space for a long time, but now I think i'm forty two now i um definitely you know i do again, I care about those things, but I would probably. Care a little bit more about um, having a home that feels good for our family, for our kids, um, more specifically as they get older and um, prepare to leave. It's a place that they would want to come back to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and then, you know, I think just even understanding again that correlation between the home of our hearts and our actual homes, because if our hearts are unhealthy, if our souls are unwell, then how can we have? A well home how can we have a home an actual physical home that's healthy because we are the beings that dwell in that space and so we exude and exert that whatever the energy is that's gonna like live in that space yeah so um i think i've focused more um even more recently on um curating the home of my heart first Mm -hmm. before
1: um, my actual home that's so good yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that because, you know, we have just this year, we basically sent two of our kids out of our nest at yeah. once. And yeah. I mean, man, talk about a huge shift, you know, and you don't realize how dramatic that affects the entire dynamics of a family. Oh. Um, it's hard. It's really yeah, hard.
0: I'm, can't, I, we have two who are One is 17 and one is almost 16. And so they're just right on the cusp of, you know, leaving. Although our daughter is like, I'm never going to (laughs) leave. Actually, number one, yes, you are. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You you don't have an option. Number two, I kind of don't want you to, but you kind of need to. Right. Yeah.
1: But but it does make me think about, you know, cultivating the relationships and the connections way more than like I spend so much energy trying to find, you know, the perfect paint color or, you know, curating a room or whatever, which is important, but it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters if the relationships are broken and there's hurting and lack of communication and, and we're not investing in each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you one last question? Yeah. So, okay. As someone who's building a business online and you know with your fabulous new store and you know as someone who's used social media platforms to grow your um well to grow your to grow your following so that you can kind of share your message and become a published author how do you keep a healthy relationship with social media um <laughs> and not fall into the comparison trap or let it damage your soul because I think, especially when it comes to these visual fields, we're all inspired. We're—I mean, it's a great tool, right? We we love it, but how do you protect your heart in that?
0: Mm, that's a great question. When you find out what the answer is, that could you let me know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, I don't think I've I've always done a good job at protecting my heart in the space that we know as social media. Um, I think more recently, I've become more aware of my weakness to social media um, or my propensity uh, to compare and uh, deprecate (laughs) all the negative things that social media brings, even though there are so many wonderfully beautiful positive as well. Um, one of the things that I would say as far as what has helped me and what continues to help me, there's two things. Um, one is literally physically stepping away. So like back in November of 2020, I was like, I'm so done. I'm still saying that pretty much every day, by the way, But, but I was like, I'm so done with, um, with social media, like I'm, or not even social media, but just specifically Instagram. Yeah. And um, because again, all the things that are always there, all the algorithm changes, you know, um, all of the things that seem so unfair for people like us who, you know, work hard to build community. And which by the way, one of the things that I, you know, learned a few years ago is that I don't own Instagram. I don't own my account there. So if I'm actually wanting to build community, Um, Instagram is one of the ways to do that. It cannot be the primary way. So of course, blogging, I blog for 50, almost 15 years now. So that is like still the center of um, my community. And then newsletters, you know, all these things that you can do to continue, um, you know, uh, building relationship with the people who follow you. Yeah. Um, but, but, one of the things I did in November was I stepped away, and that was literally I didn't want to come back. like I was away for six weeks, and it was they were they were the best six I never even thought I never even missed being online. The only thing I missed was the community piece. I missed not engaging with with those people who have actually a lot of them who have become friends um that I've never met. Um, so that piece was hard for me, and that was something I actually. Look forward to, and it's actually, actually, the only reason I'm still on Instagram and still have presence there. It's because of the community. It's because of the people. It's because um, I do know that, like, as far as the message that I communicate there, it is something that's needed, necessary, and important. It is a part of my uh, why, which just brings me to the second piece: how do we, um, how do we stay healthy? you know, when it comes to social media, we remember our why, because I think there again are so many messages that are going to tell us what we should be doing. And so many, um, you know, people, platforms, brands, whatever, who are going to tell us and and give us their opinion on how we should do things. And I'm only saying this from personal experience. I have been there like yesterday, maybe I was there with questioning, am I doing this right? Should I be posting reels? You know, uh, uh, you know, reels apparently is like the way to go on Instagram It's the only way that you'll, uh, you'll get like as many views or likes or whatever. And who cares about likes? I, le- I really don't care about likes, but because I work with brands, brands care about them. Brands care about engagement. Um, and also on a, on a very personal level, I actually do care about them because, you know, as creatives, we take time to create. Yeah. I hate the word, but content
1: I hate that, that word. is going <laughs> to
0: connect with the people who follow us. So why do I want to take six hours to storytell if I'm going to get 50 likes that lit- it literally makes zero sense? So not to get down the weeds on that, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I think that con- with all that being said, as long as I can remember when I can come back to myself <laughs> and remember why i'm doing what i'm doing it really has to be for the one it really has to be for the one and um and as long as i'm focusing on that one whoever that one is then i can continue to to remain steady but when i start to get shifty and worry about you know what the trends are and um you know what other people are doing—that's when I'm probably stepping into dangerous territory.
1: Yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, it's—it it's, and, and you're right. It's like it's always changing, and it's—it's it's like it—it it tugs and pulls us because because the algorithms are always changing, the rules are always does. changing, and so then you have to, to give do. more time, or you need to adopt yeah. this new tool. And right, right, and right. you're right. It's like it's not just we don't want to just waste our time and throw it out there for. Yeah. You know. I
0: also don't want to, you know, I, again, I really love my community. Yeah. And I love the restoration house community. And, um, I also, I think about it this way. Like there is no other space in my life where I'm concerned as much about what other people think about me, what other people think I should do how I should live like if we were to take the way we think about social media and apply it to our lives I think we would literally call ourselves crazy because mm-hmm. in what other space is it ever okay to allow someone else to determine this is I'm an Enneagram 8 wing 7 so this is how I think me like, too in what other space <laughs> in what other space is it okay for us to allow other people to determine how we live and so that also is the energy that I take and I apply and I'm just like canisha you're not going to you know run this crazy cycle of allowing someone to tell you how to do something that you've done for 15 years. So and and not saying that I can't, you know, step up to the times and I'm all for, you know, changing and morphing and all those things cuz I have definitely done that over 15 years. But what I mean is like when you boil it down to like the central messaging and like the heart of what I do, it always has to be the same no matter if it's, you know, blogging, Instagram, Twitter, I don't use Twitter. Facebook, I don't release Facebook, but I know a lot of people do. Um, so, so yeah, I just think that's it. Like, just remember your why take time away if you need to. And, and if it's a year, then take a year because at the end of the day, your health is better, more important. My emotional and mental health is more important, honestly, even than the people that follow me or the people that follow anyone who's listening. So
1: yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good note to end on thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this conversation if you enjoyed it and know a friend who would love it please 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 pass it on word of mouth is how we can grow this community thanks again